Welcome to Scouting for Growth, the podcast that brings you deep dives into the minds of today's most ambitious leaders and innovators. The podcast also delves into the world of corporate startup collaboration and partnership, as well as growth strategies deployed by corporate investors, as well as institutional investors, including those who support them. I am your host, and today we have an exceptional guest, who is championing the art of communication. Our guest is known other than Brendan Kumar-Rassami, the founder of Master Talk, a platform dedicated to nurturing top-tier communicators in diverse industries. Brendan has owned his craft coaching executives and entrepreneurs, helping them ascend into the top 1% of communicators in their fields. But Brandon's mission goes beyond one-on-one coaching. He runs a popular YouTube channel, also called Master Talk, where he has democratized access to his communication tools. Yes, you can find them on Master Talk. This channel has garnered an impressive number of views, including standing to nearly 9,000 views today and continues to grow with an astonishing 25,000 downloads just in the past 30 days. Brendan's journey began in university where he found himself excelling in presentation case competitions. As he continued to help others communicate effectively, he recognized a glaring gap in the market. Yes, high quality communication advice wasn't freely available on the internet. His solution? to record his knowledge on his phone, starting Master Talk from his mother's basement. What truly inspires us about Brandon is his strong belief in the potential of every individual to communicate powerfully. He envisions the future where the next Elon Musk might be a seven-year-old girl who could not afford a communication coach. Through Master Talk, Brandon stepping up to bridge this gap, making it his duty to provide free resources to help her succeed. As we dive into today's conversation, we will dissect Brandon's journey, his philosophies, the art and science of effective communication, and his vision to transform the way we communicate. So whether you are an executive, an entrepreneur, or someone looking to level up your communication game, This episode is just for you. And if you enjoy listening to this podcast, make sure to subscribe to it, rate it, provide a comment here below. If there is a topic that you feel needs to be addressed, just send me a message using the channel option listed below too. So ladies and gentlemen, buckle up as we scout for growth with Brandon Kumarasamy. Hello, Brandon. Thank you for joining me on Scouting for Growth today. Sabine, the pleasure is absolutely mine. Thanks for having me on the show. So first question for you, Brandon. 
Could you tell us a little bit more about your journey from participating in presentation, right, case competition to building Master Talk? I was really impressed by some of the things I've seen online about you. And I think it would be great to go into specific around your path and what triggered you to share your knowledge with the wider audience. Absolutely happy to. So for me, the the journey started in in college, Sabin. So I went to I went to study in accounting, which is random considering that I'm a public speaking coach today. So I start I start creating you know these these presentations around numbers. I'm doing my degree, and somebody told me that if I wanted to work for one of the big four accounting firms, KPMG, Ernst and Young, Price Waterhouse, Coopers, Deloitte, I needed to participate in these things called case competitions. And I asked them, what's a case competition, which yeah. is essentially pre- presentations competitively, where you present in front of executives and the best people get jobs. So that's why I wanted to do these competitions, not because I had a passion for speaking, not because this was going to be my life purpose. I did not want to be an entrepreneur. That was not my goal. I wanted to be an executive. That was my goal. So that's what I was focused on. But then as I got older, Sabin, I started coaching the other students on how to communicate mostly for free back then, just to help them win competitions. And I accidentally developed a gift and how to speak. So I worked as a management consultant at IBM for like three years. And then when I started my career, I was just making videos for fun in my basement, just as a hobby. And that hobby turned into something a lot bigger than I initially thought it was going to. That's super cool. So you mentioned consultancy. I also come from a consultancy background. And as you know, we do a lot of PPT. <laughs> we used to do, we were PPT machine, PowerPoint machines, producing so much content and it had to be perfect, right? The look and feel needed to be absolutely impeccable. So that is a capability I also have, Brandon. People said to me often, Sabine, your presentation are so beautiful. And sometimes they tease me, if you don't do what you're doing right now, I'm sure you will get a job as uh, creating beautiful presentation for people. <laughs> but also I was at IBM, probably, you know, much, you know, long-term than you uh, because of age differences. I'm just thinking about the age differences. <laughs> but in 2000, I was in IBM for eight years until 2008 also as part of their consulting arm. So interesting, we have something in common here, uh, Brandon, which is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, I did, I did not last nearly as long as you did. I think I, I did two and a half years and then the business took off. So I made a, I made a very difficult decision back then anyways to, to quit my job and do Master Talk full time. So tell us about Master Talk. I mean, this YouTube channel is doing super well. I saw that you have approximately 25,000 downloads per month, around 900,000 downloads, you know, lifetime to date, if my numbers are right, you know, you have all those engines behind the scene, helping you find out about some of those numbers nowadays around analytics. So tell me, how did you get to make this platform one of your most successful platform to enable others to communicate effectively? For sure, Sabin. So, so let me start with the first one, which is a big mistake I see a lot of content creators make, is when they think about personal branding, they focus a lot on what's hot. Is it LinkedIn? Is it TikTok? Is it TikTok? Whereas for me, which is funny being a young guy to, to teach other people how to do this, I always thought about my personal brand in decades, not days. So for me, it was always 
who do I want to be in 10 years? So when I thought about YouTube as a platform, YouTube is the hardest one out of all of them to grow, in my opinion, but it's also the most beneficial one if you stay in it the longest. So now I've been creating content on the platform for four and a half years now, Sabin. But the mindset at the beginning was, and I call this the 520 rule, which is if I post one really good piece of content that's long form every week for the next 10 years, I'll be successful on YouTube. So even today, as of this recording, I've already written all my content for 2024 that I'm going to be filming with my production team in the next three months. That's how forward thinking I think about the brand. And because of that, and I'm lucky that I'm the youngest out of all of the experts right now in the, in the business. So I'm also ahead time-wise. So that's the first piece is just never miss a week. The other piece to the success of the brand I found is having a thousand conversations. People focus way too much on a thousand followers, not a thousand conversations, right? Even, even now in my career, when I don't need to do these, these podcasts anymore, the reason I'm doing it just so people have an inside look is not for the audience. I'm doing it because I want a relationship with you. Because in the worst case, even if there's nobody listening, which isn't the case with this podcast, let's say nobody's listening, just for context, at least I would have a super cool friend in London, and you would share my YouTube channel with 10 people. That's really the key. So I told myself, okay, if I'm willing to do 10,000 podcast interviews, it is impossible for me to not have 100,000 followers. And that's the mindset that I've had. Luckily, I didn't need to do 10,000. It took 500, but it's okay. (laughs) But the thing is, what you are saying is very powerful. And Brandon, I'm really sorry, I cannot remember which writer actually wrote that statement, but you can become rich with only a thousand connections. And I'm not saying followers, you need a thousand connections to be wealthy, but the key is not just an audience, it's a conversation. And what you are saying is actually conf- fundamental to the human race, right? We are talking a lot about artificial intelligence and how generative AI is going to destroy us, but actually probably not because we are still human and human need that interaction. And that interaction usually leads to greater and better things. Like, as you said, if you come to London, you have a friend who is going to take you out for dinner and uh, we'd love to entertain you for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and just a quick point on AI as well, especially in the field that we're in, which is primarily education, consulting, helping other people transform. You know, there's there's parts of that AI will automate and will make better. For example, search queries. Like if I want to do a research project on an article or for a video, it's a lot easier for me to leverage AI to speed up that search process. So mm-hmm. I might not need as many members on a research team. But what AI cannot automate, to your point, is education. Specifically, no one's going to spend $2,000 to fly out to a conference to watch an AI speak. I don't think, I don't think yet, but that's really the the point. I think the human is really important in this equation. I I mean, I know we want to talk about communication and how executives become good communicator, but I need to ask you that question then. We are not going to fly 2,000 quid to actually see, you know, an avatar talk. However, people go to concerts. You know, in Japan, one of the most silly, famous celebrity is an avatar. And in London, we have this ABBA concert, you know, where we can't even take any pictures, but which is doing very, very well. So in some area, though, it's working. Randy. Yes, I agree. Absolutely. <laughs> so how have you managed to stay motivated? Because 
what I saw from your profile is that you do a lot of things for good and for other people. And a lot of your content is actually free, which I love because then we are going into monetization because you don't need to monetize everything. You can actually monetize a small segment of the things you are doing. But how do you find the balance between your work coaching executives, enabling others to be great communicators so that they can get fundraised or to, you know, get to, to win the next deal. And at the same time, find the great niche to monetize for yourself and your team. Absolutely. So it's a fantastic question. So let's start the first piece that you asked around motivation. So I got this from one of my mentors and friend, Jason Skisik, and he asked this great question that I ask myself all the time, which is, If the person who is 10 years older than you, so you 10 years from now, had a chance to look back in your life right now, what would they disagree with you on? Let me repeat that one more time. So let's say I'm 27 currently. If 37-year-old Brendan had a chance to talk to me right now and he looked at how I lived my life, what would he disagree with me on? Oftentimes, Sabin, what we need in life is not information because we're often our best teacher. It's implementation that's missing in the game. So what kept me motivated? The number one thing was my older self. So whenever I felt like giving up, because especially at the beginning, it was really tough, right? Because I was coaching C-suite when I was like 21, 22. So it was really hard for me to get those deals closed because they would look at me and go, come on, you're going to coach me? Like that's not going to happen. So I had a lot of resistance. But what I thought of was 32-year-old Brendan. And what he told me in my own mind is, Brendan, if you stay consistent for 10 years, you'll still be the youngest in the industry and you'll have 10 years of experience. You will be the goat of this industry and you'll be the next Dale Carnegie. That's what 32-year-old Brendan told me. So I stayed focused. Whereas the big problem, even for successful entrepreneurs, even if they're doing seven to eight figures, the problem that I've seen with most of them, just because I know them personally now, is they don't think enough about vision. That's always the gap. Like they get their first exit, they get their big win, and then there's a gaping hole in their life because they don't know what they need to do next. And that becomes their Achilles heel. Do you think there is um, entrepreneur hardness? I mean, look at the current economic environment where we've seen fewer, you know, I look at the numbers around the number of new ventures being launched. It's the lowest I've ever seen for the past seven years. I've been working with a startup and, 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 and scale-ups. And so do you think there may be an entrepreneur hardness? Because we know we have to do strategy. We need to set up vision, goal, mission, you know, all those great words so that you can align culture to it and get the right people inside your organization. What do you think? Right. I mean vision, and feel free to follow up on this. I mean vision in the context of what Patrick Bid David refers to as your next five moves. Like, what are the next moves in your arsenal? Like, if you're not clear on what's next for you, eventually you placate, especially if you're someone who's more successful in business, because you've gotten to a place in your life where you lose that motivation. Going back to your question around motivation is for me, what keeps me going has nothing to do with making money. I'm going to do well financially just because of and, and because you're motivated and you believe in what you do. You right. And the context energy. and the context of my work, people just pay a lot of money for communication coaches because they end up making a lot more money, which I didn't know at the beginning, by the way, because yeah. communication was just my passion. It just was one that's highly monetizable. That's a big piece. But the other piece that you'll ask me later, probably around my mission, 
I want to democratize the world's information of communication. So because my vision is really clear, I don't, I, I honestly don't think vision is just something on a piece of paper. If you really believe in it, like a lot of people don't really believe in it, but when you're really clear on that, what happens is you stay motivated through all of the cycles that you have to go through. Of course, today I go through a lot less pain in my business, but earlier in my career, there was a lot more pain I had to deal with just to get to a hundred K and just that, was that vision kept me going long enough where it's like, okay, now I'm sustainable. Now I can make this business work long time. I need to ask you a question, which I'm sure quite a few of our listeners are probably dying to hear. As a successful young entrepreneur and you have a beautiful face and you said yourself working with executives, what were your tips to actually break that glass ceiling. Imagine me, black woman in, in insurance. You know, when I started my career 25 years ago, there were not many women in my industry. And so I'm curious about what were your tips? Maybe what was your capsule to actually break that glass ceiling and get those executives to say, yes, Brandon, I want to work with you. Very good, Sabin. So there's actually, there's a couple of different parts to that. So let's start with the first one, which is never sell the wrong person. You have to sell the right person. I'll be the first one to admit, I am going to the CEO of JP Morgan and convincing that guy to work with me. He'll laugh me out of the room, right? It doesn't matter. So the, the question you need to ask yourself, especially in business, if, if you're really good at what you do, which is a completely different thing, you have to be exceptional to win, I've always believed in many cases. But I think the first piece is, who is the one person or 100 people or 50 people that will bet on you first and why? And it turns out for me, Sabin, the answer to that question, it's different for all of us. But for me, going, going back to ethnicity, ethnicity, it was Indian technology professionals who are Indian born. So if you're born in the India, you come to the US on an H-1B visa, you yeah. want to get better in tech, you're already great at coding, you're making, let's say, 150, 200 grand a year, you're a manager at Meta or at Amazon or one of the big tech companies. But at some point, you block in your career because you don't have the communication skills that your white counterparts have or any other ethnicity. So they'll get promoted and you don't. So you never get to VP. So those people, even if they're much older than me, they only trust me because we have the same skin color. And it just turns out that there's not a lot of brown guys who coach on communication and who have an American accent. So that niche I was really successful in. Another piece, and that's what made me successful. The other piece is sales channel, especially when you're younger like me. If there's a way for you to use the right sales channel to win, do it. Sometimes you don't have a choice. Like if you have a marketing agency, you could do personal branding B2C, but a lot of your money is going to come from B2B. I'm lucky in my case where I had the option of choosing. B2B is really tough for me, Sabin. Even today, it's probably 10% of my book where it's like you have to convince, except IBM. IBM is my only like big corporate client. And they're great. It sounds um, like both of us are working with IBM still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're, they, they're awesome, right? But even them, it was the only reason, and I only, I didn't necessarily close them at a corporate level. I closed them at an individual level where I just work with a lot of their execs. So, it, so it, it still counts. But the point I want to drive is that's only because I had all the relationships. I worked there for three years. I knew all the partners. They all loved my YouTube channel. That's why I got the deal. But every other big company, every big corporate, I always block at some point. 
the the my client brings me into the company and the other execs go no we're not going to hire this person so i could spend my whole life trying to win b2b and i probably could step in but what ended up being the easier path to work to victory was b2c where i sell the individual executive on working with me and the best part to them and why it's a win for them is they never have to know the company never has to know that they hired brendan to help them so what happens is I get them the result and they tell all of their other friends they went to INSEAD with and their MBA school that Brendan is the guy and they should give him me money. And that's how we scaled. So that's the key. That's superb. And, you know, it's interesting because reverse, because I come from corporations and corporates, my channel is B2B, less so B2C. But, you know, when I work with entrepreneurs and I'm very clear, I'm much better working with B2B startups that I am with B2C because in the industry as so, which is insurance, if you want to go B2B, even B2B2C, the C, the CAC is super high. Um, and, uh, we just walk away from it. And so it's fascinating to me um, that you find your path and you find your your mojo in some ways by really understanding people who surround you and where you come from. I have to say that a lot of my partners today are amazing. I would say they are the rebels, I think, within the corporate environment. And a lot of them are amazing women who actually are trying to make a difference. So what do you think is the biggest challenge to communication today? How can people, executives and entrepreneurs, um, deal with that and how do they overcome their fears? You know, I got coached as well when I had to do like the TED Talks and being in front of thousand people. I had to learn to breathe and all those stuff. And uh, I still use a lot of those techniques today. So tell us. How do we overcome those challenges? For sure, Sabin. So since you asked me to focus on C-suite specifically, the challenge is a little bit different. So in general, for any everybody at large, it, it is around the fear. It's the fear of speaking, the fear of sharing ideas. But if you're already a CEO, you're a VP, you're an SVP at a company, you're already speaking. So for that specific group of people, Sabin, the biggest challenge I've found in my experience is priority setting and goal setting. What do I mean by this? So I'm asking a VP of HR, where do you want to be in life? And she and she might tell me, oh, you know, I want to be a CHRO in five years. And I go, great, let's call her Julia. And the question for Julia is, do you communicate like a CHRO right now? They go, what are you talking about, Brendan? <laughs> I was like, open a panel of the CHRO of X company, let's say they work at a mining company. So let's go open one of the big mining companies like Rio Tinto, look up their CHRO and watch a panel together. Can you do that? And then Julia goes, well, no, I don't have to worry about that until I'm a CHRO. And I go, wrong, Julia. You need to focus on doing that today. You need to be that person today so that you ease into the role much easier. So the problem I've seen with people at the top is prioritization. Because they're so busy on different things, they're not creating a clear use case as to why communication is relevant. So they'll focus on the title that they want, the goal that they want in their business, the income, but they don't think about what kind of communicator do I need to be at a $10 million CEO level. And that's where a lot of them miss the ball and create a lot of inefficiencies in the business. Yeah, so it's not just about the vision, right? And it's about setting the path, which was a comment around execution. So once you've set your end goal, you have to set the steps to achieve it. And what you also said, 
is be clear about your target audience and the target market, because that will help you really refine who you are and where you are going. So you made a statement as well, I saw on your profile, which was, I believe that the next Elon Musk is a seven-year-old girl who can't afford a communication coach. That is quite powerful, actually. I was kind of surprised and I thought, what does Brandon mean by that? So can you elaborate on your belief around improving communication? Because actually communication is language. And when even we talk about large language model, it's still about communication. So tell us, what does that quote mean? For sure, Sabin. You know, for me, what that quote means is I never started Master Talk for my executive clients, even if I love them, even if they're great, even if they're super fun to work with. And that's how I was able to build the business full time eventually, because you can't charge a seven-year-old girl uh, money to, to be a communication coach, at least not yet. Maybe things will change. But, Who knows? but Who knows? you never know. You never know. A couple of there's a lot of I see a lot of kids coming up and already becoming CEOs at 12, 13 years old. So you never know. But but I think the the big part is what I felt was missing in the space was when Dale Carnegie was alive, right? The author of How to Win Friends and Influence People. His work was prolific, right? He's changed so many people's lives. But the problem is because he was born in the late 1800s and then died in the I think he died in 1955 or something. He wasn't able to share his information on public speaking and communication in a medium that is aligned with the expertise. So, for example, if you want to teach public speaking, the worst way to teach it is through a book. Like you need somebody to actually speak. Like imagine if I was a horrible speaker and I was a speaking coach, it wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. Right? So there's no mis- there's no alignment. Whereas I'm lucky in my time period of history where I was born in the right time, in the right place, in the right first world country, to the right case competition school, where I was able to accumulate 40 years of experience in like five. So because of that, I have an opportunity that Dale Carnegie didn't, which is to democratize the world's information on communication. So the reason I'm, I'm such a big believer about, of Elon and all that stuff is when Elon was a kid, nobody sat him down and helped him with his communication skills. Like when he was being abused by his dad, when he was like a 10-year-old kid in South Africa, nobody sat him down and said, hey, kid, you're going to be a big star someday. Let's get rid of your ums and ahs. And the reason I say the next Elon Musk is a seven-year-old girl is because we don't know who the next Elon Musk is. But what I do know is that if I became the goat of this industry and I shared all this stuff for free, because I don't know who that person is, they'll grow up listening to my tips and they'll master communication in a way that Elon Musk definitely did not. And the seven-year-old will probably give you a call and say, Brandon, thank you so much for making me a millionaire, right? (laughs) Maybe not a millionaire. I'm sure they'll make a lot of money. But I think more in the sense of a lot of, and I've I've already had that experience, thankfully, very early in my career, Stephen, where a lot of people who actually do make a big impact in the world, they're often very introverted. So they're like a chemist or uh, some researcher who comes up with this really amazing technology that's where a lot of my clients fall under, like in the startup space. And it's mostly in tech. And then, but they suck at being CEOs. Like they can't go up there and share on a stage. And I think that's that's really bad for society because all of those people need to be exceptional communicators. So we have like a thousand Steve Jobs instead of like one. And that's I think nice. that really advances humanity forward. But one thing you also are sharing, which I think we need to also highlight for our listeners is, 
communication is key. It's what connects everyone. And if you do communication well, based on the channel you are using, you can actually do well for your life, your happiness, you know, and, and set up so, so some path for yourself and people around you, which are quite unique. And because of your example around Elon Musk, I guess when you think about Elon Musk, he's far more powerful with his language and the stock market than Tesla or SpaceX. And so having achieved, I've been arrived to being a communicator that people listen to and make choices around is quite powerful. So what are your top tips? Brandon, what are the things people can start with to become great communicators? Absolutely, Seven. And, and I loved your perspective as well. So communication to me is like juggling 18 balls at the same time, Seven. One of them smiling, one of them's body language, one of them's facial expressions, one of them storytelling, and it gets really confusing really fast. So for me, the question is, what are the three easiest balls to juggle? Because if you juggle those three, you'll be a master. So I'll comment on each one for a minute. The first one's the random word exercise. Pick a word like cell phone, like camera, like pen, create random presentations out of thin air. Do this 60 seconds each, five minutes a day. Helps you deal with uncertainty. Your life as a CEO is filled with it. So learn how to manage that chaos instead of running away from it. And if you can make sense out of nonsense, you could make sense out of anything. Exercise number two is the question drill. We get asked questions all the time from investors when we're raising capital, podcast interviews like this one, sales calls when we're talking up prospects for to get them into our business and to do business with them. A lot of us are really bad at answering questions. So here's what you do. And this is how I became an expert really quickly is make a list of every possible question you can ask about your expertise. I did this every day. One question a day for five minutes. Hey, Brendan, what tips do you have for introverts? Brendan, what do you think is the relationship between AI and communication? What's your vision for Master Talk? But if you do that once a day, Sabin, for a year, you'll have answered 365 questions about your industry and you'll be bulletproof. And then finally, number three, send video messages to your clients. Makes a big difference helps you stand out. I encourage people to send three. I take this the extra mile. I have a Google calendar set in that tells me all of my clients' birthday. And when it's their birthday or a business partner or a friend, I'll put a stupid $12 birthday hat on from Amazon. I'll open my camera and say, guess whose birthday it is? It's yours. And I hope you have a wonderful day. And I've made so much money and so many smiles from that strategy. <laughs> <laughs> Those are great stories, actually, and great strategies. I would say I use some uh, of your strategies already uh, because I believe in communication. And, you know, every day I am on social media, every day I communicate. And so it forces you to think in a structured way and actually explaining complex problem in a very simple manner as well. So, but... How do you measure progress then? You know, when you have your client and you are giving them all these techniques, how do you know they are doing well? It's it's it is the million dollar question. It's so challenging, right, Seven? Yeah. Because in communication, it's very different than let's say business coaching or even life coaching. Yeah. Whereas let's if fitness actually is a better example. Let's say you have a weight loss goal. Definitely not you. I'm just saying, like in general, right? Is let's say we want to lose like two pounds or something. It's easy to track. There's a metric. 
Or if you do, let's say I asked you to do one push-up today and you do 10 push-ups in a month or 10 push-ups in 100 push-ups in a month, you can track the progress, right? You can see that. But in communication, what does that look like? And that was actually one of the weaknesses I saw with the industry and why I thought I had something fruitful. Let me make it super simple. The way I measure clients is how many of those 18 balls can you actually juggle effectively? That's the way I measure progress. So with a client, it's more about saying, I'll say those three tips, but how I actually implement it is let's say I'm speaking with the VP. The, the, the motivation is we don't touch the question drill until you've done the random word exercise a hundred times. I don't care if it sounds great or terrible, five minutes a day for three weeks. And that's what all my clients do at the beginning. They get to a hundred and then I teach them a question drill. Then they do a hundred of those. Then I get them to send a hundred video messages. And then we go one, two, and by like ball two, they already feel like they're really, really good. And then they get into the advanced balls and they learn the other stuff. That's super cool. Very, very impressive, Brandon. So going into you know, the end of our discussion, exciting discussion today. Could you actually share just one or two of your best success stories for our audience and so that we can inspire them, you know, to want to do this better for us, for the world, to inspire others? For sure, for sure. So I've been happy to, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful in my career you know, for the, for the success I've had. And I'm, I'm super grateful for the success that will come. But I would say one that particular that really inspired me is, is the CEO of this tech company. She's the CEO of AIM Colors. And she created this really interesting tech, Sebin, where you put these little glasses on your nails so that women in particular don't need nail polish anymore. So that you just open up a phone and you can switch the color of the nails to anything that you want. So it's a really fascinating piece of technology. And she's like a PhD in organic chemistry from a high, high level university and she has the product and everything. But she was really scared about being the CEO of that business. So sure, did I help her get rid of her ums and ahs? Absolutely. Did I help her with her vocal projection? Yes. Did I help her stare at the camera lens correctly? Right. But And did I help her answer tough questions from investors? For sure. But the biggest transformation there was changing her identity from being a researcher to being the CEO. Because I told her, hey, look, if you want to be a CEO, you need to raise capital. You need to raise venture. You need to do this. You need to go to pitch competitions. You really need to stand out to attract employees. And I focus more on the communication side of that equation, not on actually how to be that leader. And now today, you know, she's raised multiple six figures in her startup. She's in a bunch of accelerators. She's the talk of the town in Montreal. And she's actually giving her demo day presentation next month. So I'm, I'm going to be excited to watch her succeed. And, and for me, she is that seven-year-old girl, right? I think that's a big part. And that's why I think funny enough, Sabin, my second biggest niche after Indian tech professionals is actually women executives. For some reason, they resonate no with doubt. me. So, no so there you go. <laughs> and I think the time is is now for for women yeah. executives. You know, there's been so I much agree. going on uh, to open the gate and think about sustainability. And people don't really always understand what ESG means, but the S is all about diversity and inclusion and actually getting more of those diverse backgrounds up there. So therefore, there's 50% of men out there and 50% of women. We need to get more of those on the boardroom because, as you know, there's still only 10% of women as CEO of the Fortune 500. So what are your last words of wisdom, Brandon? 
For sure, Stephen. This is a great interview, by the way. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. You know, for me, the, the final word is, what's the big takeaway from the show? You made it all the way to the end. So here's the most important piece. Are you booking 15 minutes in your calendar every single day to do the easy threes? The random word exercise takes five minutes. If you're listening to this and you have children, do this with your kids. It doesn't have to be hard. Same thing with the question drill. It's not hard to come up with a list of questions. Go to your clients, go to prospects, list out all the questions they asked you. Practice just one every day. And video messages, don't even send three, send one every day. And if you just do that for 30 days, Sabin, you're already going to be really high level at communication. It's just most people aren't consistent enough to do it for 30 days. So I'll challenge you to be the person that does. Cool. Let's challenge and push everybody listening to this podcast to take the Brandon Challenge. The three highs of communications. So, Brandon, my last question to you is, where can my listener find you? If they're interested to book you, to hear from you. I know they can go into Master Talk on YouTube, but how can they reach out to you? Absolutely, Sabin. So the best way to do this is to attend one of our communication workshops. So I do a free one that's live every two weeks. It's an hour and a half. It's a lot of fun. Bunch of different people from across the world come. There's students who come. There's CEOs of big companies. Everyone's invited. So if you want to jump on that call, go to rockstarcommunicator.com, attend the workshop. And then if you want to work with us at the end of the workshop, there'll be a link to book a free call with me directly. And then we can talk about different options that are available. That's cool. And I will have that as well in the notes of the podcast that people know where to find you on LinkedIn as well and rockstarcommunicator.com. Brandon, thank you so much for your time. That was a really fun discussion. And thank you for sharing so much of your tips and techniques. I think I will definitely deploy one at least, which I've not done before, as I've done quite a few of the, of the others you have shared with us today. Amazing, Sabin. The pleasure is absolutely mine. If you like this podcast, subscribe now, share with your friends, and if you enjoyed it, please give it a five-star review. Also, if you want to cover any specific subject with me, contact me on Instagram under Sabine VDL Officials or LinkedIn under Sabine van der Linden. Thank you.